This is Data Science at Home, the podcast that makes machine learning and artificial intelligence easy for everyone. Here's your host, Francesco Garaletta. Thanks for tuning in and welcome back to Data Science at Home podcast, where we talk about technology, machine learning, and algorithms. Today I'm with uh, a blogger, actually, Alexander Onchar who's the owner of a very popular blog about machine learning. And the main reason why he's here, actually, I invited on the show is because I found and I also followed his, his blog and uh, found an amazing series on, uh, on time series. <laughs> so uh, welcome to the show, Alex. Hi. Hello. Nice to meet you, too. Thank you for uh, calling me to the show. Uh, I'm Alex Honcher and I'm working in machine learning for already more than five years, actually. And uh, what I'm doing at the moment, I'm a partner in a Ukrainian startup called uh, Mavi Solutions. I'm working there on biostano analysis. We have our own device. And also, I'm a consultant. I'm helping companies to launch new products or improve their own solutions that already use machine learning or any kind of logic that people call machine learning today. Also, as you said, I'm uh, writing a blog on Medium giving public speeches uh, on conferences, meetups. I do it in Ukraine, Italy, Spain, going to Germany next month. And uh, what, I know, what I like about machine learning, what I can call my mission is I really want to make some products, some solutions that truly outperform what humans do. And they can deliver a new knowledge that we can't get by ourselves just reading the books and trying to create something. And uh, I hope that this products will be not just leaving us without a job, but the opposite. They will be our friends, partners for achieving uh, ambitious goals. Cool. That that sounds very ambitious indeed and very interesting. The the thing that I was attracted by your blog because there were actually two things that, that, that uh, triggered my attention, which is, well, the first was a financial analysis uh, of, of time series. Um, and the other one was indeed biosignal uh, analysis which is exactly, you know, what you're working on, or is it just a, a hobby like the time series? Actually, it's a, a work, it's a startup. Actually, we already can call it the business because we already have, we have, no, we have a business model, we are selling our device. So it's uh, like uh, more than a hobby at the moment. So my curiosity actually is, how about, you know, how did you start data science? How did you start doing that? No, as far as I remember, it's, happened when I was in my first or second year doing my bachelor's in Kiev, Ukraine. And uh, back in the days, like most of the guys from Ukraine, uh, I wanted to be a software developer because we have this uh, outsourced business uh, growing in Ukraine. So I wanted to be like everyone. But uh, I also was realizing because I was studying mathematics that uh, these skills are kind of much more difficult than just coding. And I was checking, Googling what actually mathematicians do, how they earn money a part of being a researcher. And uh, actually, I was uh, literally Googling, and I found the machine learning course by Andrew N on Coursera, which is like maybe the most recommended at the moment. And that's how the story started. I uh, went through that course. I was checking uh, GitHub examples. I, was, uh, I found Kaggle, tried to make some submissions there. And I was actually lucky enough that uh, in a couple of months after finishing my let's say, primary study, I could find my first job. I was even working for free first. But uh, it was a long time ago, so I, at, at, at that job, I was actually doing everything from uh, computer vision to NLP, so I could learn a lot, and that, that's how it started. Cool. So we can definitely say that you were trying things at home. 
and it's basically yes. <laughs> so we are perfectly uh, in uh, in tandem with the, with the podcast Data Science at Home, indeed. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Now, what's your best shot with machine learning so far? Except probably the ones uh, I might be wrong, of course. But is the Medium blog your best shot, or is there something else that you want to talk about? Actually, for me, I uh, like uh, a lot the two projects uh, where I participated and still am participating. The first one uh, was directed to the gaming industry, where me and my friend, we were hired by one company under NDA, actually. But we, our goal has uh, to beat a really popular gambling game using machine learning. I can't tell actually what the game was. But maybe you can guess where what is the game where you have to develop a bot that beats other bots and other people that earn money. So, you know, you can guess what it is. And I liked it a lot because uh, it was extremely challenging. You can imagine why. And it was a really great mix of uh, expert knowledge of the game itself, of predictive modeling, of neural networks, of reinforcement learning, actually, as well. And uh, it was some kind of project for my ego because I, you know, like beating others in a game using algorithms to me it wasn't still it's something like wow <laughs> sure i mean that's the spirit yeah. in fact like <laughs> it can be chess it can be betting it can be uh, solving other types of problems indeed machine learning practitioners really enjoy beating humans with uh, with math and algorithms for sure <laughs> so i understand you perfectly yeah exactly <laughs> You can imagine how, how I was on YouTube. <laughs> cool. So uh, going back to the series you wrote on uh, on the blog, why mm-hmm. in, have you tackled the problem of algorithmic trading in particular? Uh, yeah, it was like uh, to start the story correctly. After I finished my bachelor's in Kiev, I got a scholarship in Verona to for my master's degree in mathematics. And one of the most interesting courses there was financial mathematics. And because I wasn't familiar with uh, some, I wasn't deeply familiar with some stochastic calculus and other stochastic processes, etc. So I was uh, figuring out how I can apply machine learning to this kind of uh, supposedly random data. And uh, of course, one of the most obvious applications that I could figure out is to get some financial time series and try to forecast them, and after execute the trades based on the forecast. So this was my main motivation. And also, when I was Googling what uh, other people do, researchers and practitioners, I also realized, actually, when you Google something like uh, stock forecasting with neural networks with machine learning, you can find a lot of nice-looking pictures, also on Medium or even in scientific publications, where you can see the price curve itself and uh, the forecasting curve that actually almost coincides with the real price. And you think, wow, it's so cool, it's so cool, it works. But actually, if you zoom this picture a bit, you can see that basically you don't do any predictions at all. All what you learned is uh, that you just forecast what happened yesterday, which is not a forecast at all. And when I saw that, I was like, damn, I need to fix it somehow. And uh, basically, that's how it started. I realized now that uh, it's not really possible to do that perfect forecast that they show, but at least... Uh, something really works. And I had some uh, experiments, I had several pilot projects with different trading teams. And uh, to some extent, I I think I realized how to treat this 
random data, stochastic data, financial data with uh, machine learning models. Well, that's uh, indeed a, a very interesting topic. Of course, it doesn't come without challenges because, you know, uh, if you can predict the stock exchange, for example, you probably wouldn't be here today. You would be on your private jet. <laughs> uh, but you know it's it's a very challenging problem that you know as you as you said indeed it's very easy to uh, mislead uh, whoever reads the accuracy of whatever algorithm replicating the last observation and and saying that's the prediction or pro projecting that in the future almost always works because you know it's a a random walk that that doesn't have a lot of memory so you just repeat the last observation so that usually it's the case but there are many other challenges i suppose for example the candle problem especially for algorithmic trading uh, out, out to label trading data for example another one is non-stationary data these are all challenges that are typical of of, of financial uh, series so what else did you find and uh, how did you deal with these biggest challenge uh, challenges that you uh, found uh, basically, the most of uh, non-professional traders who are using machine learning or not using machine learning, they are looking for some combination of signals from the market, maybe from the prices itself, from the news. And the professional traders from the trading firms, they look for the alphas, which is basically the same, but could be more economically grounded in a way. And uh, what is machine learning supposed to do is to extract the signals automatically. But uh, basically, in practice, it doesn't really work like this. Because uh, most of the people who try to do it, they just throw the raw data into the algorithm and expect it uh, to fit to this data. And the problem is that machine learning can actually fit because it can fit to anything, but uh, we need to fit it to the correct thing. So otherwise, we see the trash in, trash out situation. And uh, when you do it so straightforwardly, your inputs are trash, noisy, non-stationary data. And uh, the simplest examples you can see in the internet that uh, guys are feeding the raw prices of some stock or some asset that, for example, are ranging from $100 to $200 per item. And uh, what happens if uh, in two months, the price will be 300. The machine learning model hasn't seen anything with the 300. And, uh, you know, statistically, the data is changing all the time. So you need to or to prepare your data correctly. So this non-stationarity, the statistical changes don't affect situation. The simplest case, you don't put the prices themselves into the model, but the price changes. Because if you say the price is changing 50%, 20%, 5%, in the future, the changes will be more or less the same. This way you feel more secure. Or you can uh, find some features from these prices or from other sources of data that uh, are uh, stationary by themselves. It can be, for example, entropy or something like this. And the outputs also need to be prepared correctly because uh, the typical situation what people do, they say, I want to predict what will happen in one week from now and uh, that's all. And how they code it into the actual program, they just take seven days from the last date and take the difference or up or down from this uh, from from this seven days till today. But uh, actually, a lot of things can happen between the seven days. Like during the week, there can be a lot of fluctuations. So you could earn and lose money. So this is the concept of the some floating horizon prediction 
uh, and uh, you need to forecast not what will happen exactly in one hour, in one week, in one month, but uh, you need to take into account that a lot of things can happen within this data, this data. And uh, you also have to consider that stop loss, take profit, to basically predict also based on your own logic, your own threshold. And uh, this is uh, one of the main challenges. How do you predict the input? No, sorry, not to predict, but how do you develop the input and the output? You need to prepare them really correctly, knowing your data and knowing how you will trade. I have a question regarding the, the, the input data, actually, because in uh, in realistic scenario in fact you cannot assume i mean you can assume but you can assume that for example the price in the next uh, the next week is gonna skyrocket to 300 whatever currency it is now if that never happened in your training set uh, definitely your machine learning model will not will, will try not to predict that right because it never saw that before and in the it was never in the training set so don't expect that the machine learning model will make magics, right? How do you deal with these cases? Like, do you inject artificially what might happen or you just ignore it or you assume it will never happen? Actually, this is one of the cases that, uh, that, uh, that shows that you can't rely just on the machine learning in, in this problem because uh, you're right that there, there can be... Anything can happen. And basically, you deal with this uh, not with the machine learning itself. Basically, if uh, some anomaly already happened, what you have to do, you have to have at least your risk management system. Also, this we say stop losses, take profits. So if something happens, you stop it uh, with the logic outside of the machine learning. Machine learning is just a small part, a small piece that can do prediction, can tell you when to enter or close the position but you need to hedge it, you need to be secure. And that's when you do this risk that may happen, you control them outside. At least that's how it works. So to whoever wants to use machine learning to make money on the stock exchange, please bear in mind that it might be not enough for for your ultimate goal. Okay, not enough. Yeah. <laughs> okay makes sense. Uh, now, can we say, you know, regarding all, you know, despite all these challenges that, you know, these are open problems in uh, in finance and in uh, in fintech especially. Can we say that computers are better at trading than humans? Well, they actually already are better than humans. It's uh, far as we know from the open and closed sources that uh, more than 60, maybe 70% of trades are already performed by the robots. Another thing that the robots are programmed by the human logic. So if you say if computers are trading better than humans, yes, it's true. But uh, are computers better in uh, understanding the market, understanding finance, creating new ideas? Not yet, because uh, even machine learning is just uh, just a tool for a human analyst, for the human researcher who says, uh, I have this idea, I have these features. This is my idea for the input, for the output. I want my model to fit this idea. So still, human does it. I think that the most uh, attractive feature of algorithms is that they have no empathy. And so uh, probably, you know, when an algorithm is trading and, you know, not having empathy means that that, that can be a very bad thing for a human. You know, you, a human would not invest or would be driven by feelings and, you know, emotions. Well, while a machine usually doesn't, of course, and I mean, the algorithm is not coded to, to take that into account. 
But from a quantitative perspective, you say that, yeah, computers are definitely better than, than humans, I mean, for sure. Okay. So what is the, I mean, I, I want to ask you kind of a philosophical question that I usually ask to uh, whoever is on the show, uh, and is about your vision on the topic, which is, you know, not just finance, but in general, predictions with machine learning and AI. What's your vision and what do you expect to happen in the next five to 10 years? You can even, actually, you can even stay, you know, next, close to the, to the financial trading, algorithmic trading uh, side of things. And then eventually we can understand or, or, or uh, apply your vision to other domains as uh, well. What I see now that uh, most of the applications and also research direction in machine learning are kind of uh, in a vacuum. Basically, they are really close and small problems. Like, I want to forecast the price. I want to detect uh, emotions from a photo. I want to say what is said in this uh, word record. But uh, this is not the final application because you want to translate what is in the voice to do something else. Maybe because you have a chatbot that talks to the customer and his actual final goal is to sell something to you. And with the right of reinforcement learning, I think that we can uh, solve the whole end-to-end -end thing, basically from the raw voice record from a customer, not just to translate to what he says, but also to optimize the sales process. For example, uh, from the financial data, not just to forecast the price for some uh, horizon, but to do actual both trades, hedging, risk management, and everything all together. I see it may become a trend, like using uh, machine learning uh, as an end-to-end approach for much wider, bigger goals. And uh, from the finance point of view, I also see that machine learning should work in the direction in uh, finding the data sources. Because now humans, what is the bottom, human bottleneck? Every analyst has his own ideas. Uh, he's now saying that maybe we can uh, forecast the renewable energy markets from the satellite imaging. And basically, this is a human-based idea, and then he calls the data scientists who build a computer vision model that detects, you know, broken solar panels, for example. But if some algorithm could find the sources of data, some kind of smart crawler that looks for hidden correlations or other dependencies from totally different sources of data, and for example, market prices, this, this could be really big. This is unsupervised learning on steroids. <laughs> Because, you know, with unsupervised learning, in fact, you are, you know, letting the algorithm label data. But what you are saying is even one step farther than that, because it's you don't have the data. And so you would you would think of a machine or an algorithm that looks for data that might fit your problem. Is that what you are saying? Yes. In a way. Basically, we have to say some universe of all the possible data. For example, actually Google could do this. They have uh, all the information in the world, roughly speaking, of course. And uh, if they, uh, for example, make a model that uh, tries to do, yes, some unsupervised learning to find such a factors from all the universe of uh, possible data samples to find uh, such, such factors, such uh, things that correlate with the prices of some assets, it could work because uh, why not? <laughs> I don't know. I will let you know in about 10 years. <laughs> I mean, my, quest, my my time frame was 5 to 10, so time will tell. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I think uh, someone already maybe 
could do it because you know it doesn't sound unrealistic yeah no absolutely i mean i'm not saying that it's uh, it's uh, it's it's possible i mean it's not sci-fi that's what i mean it's 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 doable it's doable for sure Cool. Um, well, Alex, it was nice, short and intense. <laughs> it was really nice having you on the show. And if you want to share your contacts with the listeners of Data Science at Home podcast, feel free. We will add them anyway to the show notes of this episode. Um, if you have a Twitter account or if you have, uh, of course, the Medium blog, if you have other contacts or other channels you want people to connect to you, please feel free to share with us. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. This was Data Science at Home, the podcast that makes machine learning and artificial intelligence easy for everyone. If you like the show, don't forget to write a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podbean. You can also find us on datascienceathome.com, where you can subscribe to our newsletter and get the latest updates. Thanks for listening.